Hey everybody, I'm Luke. Would you turn your Bibles to Matthew 14? That's where we're going to be this morning. A number of our staff and volunteers just got back from a conference in Illinois, More Love, More Power. Who all was at that conference? Pop your hand up real quick. Wow, yeah. Such an amazing conference. It was fiery. God releases presence in a powerful way. And the good news is, if you weren't there for it, you're going to get it or you already have gotten it this morning. So, yeah, it was just, it was awesome. Um, the subject for this morning is hunger, or specifically, hunger for God. Hunger is, I like the term hunger more than I like the term passion for God. I like the idea of being hungry for him, of hungering for more of God. And I, I like to use that word more than the word passion. And here's why. Hunger is, it's a, it's a want and a need at the same time. Hunger is a desire and it's a necessity at the same time. You see, maybe you're hungry for lunch right now. And you're thinking about, you know, where you're going to go after this. But if you were to skip that meal, you'd be okay. You're not going to like die or anything. Some of you are like, yes, I would. You're not going to die or anything. Um, it's, so it's not like a, it's not like you have to eat at lunch or, you know, there's some major ramification. It's a want. But at the same time, if you just decide, you know what, I'm just done eating. I don't think I really need to eat. I don't need food. Uh, then eventually you would die. And so hunger is both a want and a need at the same time. And I love that picture when we think about a relationship with God because we hunger for him. We want more of him. We want to experience his presence. If I go a couple days without having that, I'm not going to lose my faith or I'm not going to lose my salvation or fall off the deep end. But if I go long enough without hungering for him, without meeting with him, it is going to have major negative ramifications on my faith. So hunger is a want and a need. And there are people who I look at and I'm like, that person is hungry for more of God. Can you think of anyone like that in your, that you know? That person is hungry for God. I can think of them. They're the ones that are always pressing in. They're the ones that are passionate. They're the ones that are going after God and worship. And honestly, they kind of annoy us sometimes, don't they? <laughs> don't hungry people annoy us. It's like we might come into worship and like, all right, you know, I haven't worshiped in a while. I got to get warmed up. Got my coffee right here, singing along with the songs. And then you look to your right and there's one of those hungry people. <laughs> and it's like the first verse of the first song. I'm like, yeah, Jesus, come on. And you're just like, and here's why we feel bad. <laughs> here's why we don't like that. Because we look at them and we're like, wow, I'm a horrible Christian. Wow, I have no passion for God. Wow, there's something wrong with me, you know? And so, and so hungry people, they can often make us uncomfortable. And you know what we do sometimes? Sometimes we justify our... This, we justify this and we minimize that 
by saying things like, oh, they're a new Christian. How cute of them to be super expressive and hungry. When they become a real mature Christian, then they'll learn the secret of this. Or we're like, oh my gosh, they just want attention so bad. Like what happened in their past that is leading them to do this? And so we come up with these like rationalizations for us. And you know what? I'm not saying that stuff is never true, but I've recently felt like God led me to a place where I drew a line in the sand. I said, you know what? If there is a hungry person by me, the only thing I'm going to think is, wow, I'm inspired for more because of them. Wow, wow, look how passionate and hungry they are for more of God. God, give me what they have. And we're like, well, what, what if they really do want attention? Well, God can sort that out with them. I don't need to sort that out with them. But God, I want that level of hunger for you. I want that level of passion for you. I want to be pressing in like they are. I'm not going to rationalize or I'm not going to try to make myself feel better about not being as passionate as them. I'm going to ask you, God, to do that in me. And so we're going to talk about hungry people. Um, what are characteristics of hungry people? What are characteristics of people who hunger for more of God? We're going to look at a past, that passage of Matthew 14 I told you about where Peter walks on the water um, and pulls some stuff out of that. Last thing I want to say is that this could sound like a challenging message to you. And I want to encourage you don't think in terms of like, well, either, you know, I have to go from where I am now to that jumping crazy expressive passion level. Ask God, what's my next step towards that? What is my next step in hunger, in, in fostering and developing hunger for more of God? in breaking off apathy and breaking off indifference in breaking off going through the motions. Like, man, it can be so easy just to fall into religion sometimes where we're just doing stuff to do it or we're just doing it because we've always doing it or we're just doing it because others are doing it. But what I want to encourage you to do this morning is discern from God. What is my next step towards the jumping? And you know what? He's going to keep giving you more and more and more steps until you are that person. Okay, turn that person next to you and say, hey, you're going to be jumping for Jesus soon. <laughs> All right, so let's pray. Holy Spirit, we do ask that you release everything you released at More Love, More Power into this room right now in Jesus' name. Just let it fall on us. Release all that you have for us. God, we don't want to leave this morning without getting from you everything that you want to give us this morning. So would you come? Would you stir our hearts in Jesus' name? Amen. So Jesus has just heard that his cousin, his friend, the guy that announces ministry, John the Baptist, who he loves so much, has been beheaded, killed. And he's obviously troubled. He's obviously grieving. And so he actually, he plans, okay, I want to go off by myself and just, um, it doesn't say it's explicitly in the text, but I just want to go off and mourn. And I want to go seek the father and get comfort from the father on the death of my friend. But as he's going off to do that, people see him like, hey, there's Jesus. Hey, there's a miracle worker. Hey, there's a healer here. There's a deliverer. And they're all like flocking to him. 
And Jesus sees them. And most of us, me, like, that's the probably the time we say, hey, okay, this is my boundary. Not doing ministry right now. I need to go and grieve the loss of my friend. But Jesus moved with compassion, spends the whole day with them, teaches them, ministers to them, heals their sick, casts out demons. And his disciples show up. They've been going out healing. They've been going out two by two healing and casting out demons and proclaiming the kingdom of God. And, and by the end of the day, they look at him and they're like, hey, Jesus, um, we're kind of sick of these people too. It doesn't say that, but that's what I think is going on. We're ready to spend time with you, just us, quality time. So how about we send them off? They need to eat anyways. We don't got any food for them and we'll just have time together. And Jesus looks at them and he's like, we could do that. Or how about you just feed them? And they're like, um, what part of two fish and five loaves do you not understand? How are we going to feed them, Jesus? Like, and he's like, and so then he, of course, you know the story, he feeds the 5,000 and there's more left over than they started with and everyone's amazed. And I really believe this is actually, and we're not gonna dive into it. I believe this was a maturing moment for the disciples. I believe this was a correction of sorts by Jesus. So Jesus, after that, he actually says, you 12, I'm gonna, you know, I know we've just been apart for a long time, but I'm actually gonna, um, send you across the lake right now and I'm going to go up and spend time with the father on the mountain. And so he sends them off by themselves. And at that point it's where we'll read. So we're going to read starting in verse 22. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. After he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened and began to sink. Or sorry, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind stopped and those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, you are certainly God's son. I studied this passage wanting to learn more about hunger and wanting to learn more about pressing into the more and pressing into the impossible three years ago, and then recently did another study on it. And from that, I have 17 points. Don't worry, we're not going through 17 points. <laughs> Saw some of you like, you just seen a ghost. But uh, I just want to pull out a couple of points from this that speak to characteristics of people that are hungry for more of God. So here's the first one. Hungry people press in when others rest. This is, this is actually looking at something Jesus did. Hungry people press in when others rest. You see, like I said earlier, Jesus, he, he just wanted to um, be alone, but then all of these people come to him and 
He spends the whole day ministering to them and praying for them and healing their sick and casting out demons. Like he had perfect, perfect rationale to say, hey, sorry guys, today I'm resting. But what I have to believe is that since he was only ever doing what he saw the father doing, the father was saying to him, no, it's time to press in right now. I know it's hard. I want you to press in. And then even after that, like after that, if I, if I was him, I would have been like, all right, done with all of that. I'm rid of those 12 guys. I'm going to go watch some Netflix. I'm going to go take a nap. I'm going to go get a snack, whatever. Like if it were me, I'd be like, okay, now it's time to rest. But even then he presses into the father in a time of prayer, prays all night. Hungry people press in when others rest. Now, I do want to make a caveat. You can overwork and you can burn yourself out. I actually have a friend who, he was dealing with anxiety, and so he started doing more Bible studies and more worship and more prayer and getting up earlier and spending all these hours, and his anxiety just kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse as he is seeking God. And eventually, God says to him, hey, sleep eight hours a night. Does that, boom, all the anxiety's gone. So, like... I'm not saying rest is bad. I'm not saying don't rest. But there are times when God is calling us to press in and keep going after him, even when we feel like we have a reason not to or when others aren't. Let me read you this Psalm of David. Psalm 132, verses three through five. Surely I will not enter my house, nor lie on my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. What's he talking about there? David had a conviction from God that he was to build a temple, build a house of God for the Lord. And he so, he knew, like he knew this conviction was so important and he was so passionate about it that he was willing to say, hey, I won't even sleep until I see this thing happen. Sometimes God gives us a build the temple level conviction. He speaks something to us so important that diving into it and pressing into it, it might look like we are violating our rest boundaries. It might look like we are overworking and God's not gonna keep us there forever, but um, sometimes we just gotta press in. We just gotta get up and do it. <clears throat> and we might think, well, how do we know if like, I, I'm, you know, my, I wanna do that, but what if I burn out or what if I um, harm my marriage or I neglect my kids? Like, how, how do I navigate that? And here's, I think, the secret to that. We always look for a rule. We always look for a, always do this. Always don't do that. And it's just easier that way. If we just have a rule, then we can, boom, check, move on. Never have to think about it again. But I think what God is calling us to do is to discern from him every moment what we should be doing. And specifically in these moments, discern, God, what are you calling me to do? Are you calling me to dive into this? Or are you calling me to rest? Are you calling me to press in for more? Or are you calling me to take a nap? What are you calling me to do? And if we, if we continually ask him, if we continually go to him, instead of making a rule, a nice, a nice tidy little rule that always tells us what to do, if we press into him, then, um, then we'll get everything, we'll do everything he's calling us to do and we won't burn out and won't overwork. So that's the first one. Um, hungry people press in when others rest. Second one. 
Hungry people look for God beyond their comfort zone. Hungry people look for God outside of their comfort zone. Don't know about you, but I love my comfort zone. Man, my comfort zone, you know why I love it? Because it's comfortable. (laughs) And, um, And it's not a bad thing to be comfortable, but you don't ever grow in your comfort zone. You don't ever progress in your comfort zone. You don't ever, you don't ever, you don't ever experience more by saying, I'm going to stay right here. Hungry people look outside their comfort zone. So that's what happened in this passage. The disciples didn't recognize Jesus because the situation was outside their comfort zone. You see, um, when Jesus, so Jesus sent them out and he comes walking out on the water and when they see Jesus, they don't recognize him. They think he's a ghost. And I think when I first would read this passage, I would visualize in my head like Jesus coming out with like a sheet on him and you know, he looks like Casper. And then all of a sudden when the disciples cried out, poof, he turns back into Jesus. But that's not, I don't think that's what happened. I think that Jesus was walking out just himself They should have been able to recognize him, but why didn't they recognize him? Because he wasn't appearing to them in a way they were comfortable with. I remember a time that Wilson and I, I was still in college. Will had just gotten back from YWAM, and we were doing a Bible study with another friend. And it was like an amazing Bible study. And I was in Navigators in college, and so I knew how to study the Bible. And so we were studying Sermon on the Mount, and we were getting insights, and we were like high-fiving each other at our insights that we were getting. And it was like we were getting pumped up from this Bible study. We were getting revelation. And so we get done with the Bible study. I'm like, wow, that was an awesome Bible study. Thank you, Lord. All right, well, should we go watch Netflix, or what's next? And Will, on the other hand, is like, wow, that was an amazing Bible study. Let's go pray for people. I've never done this before. And so I'm like, oh, okay, like pray for our unsafe family and friends or pray traveling mercies on, on uh, whoever we know that's traveling. And he's like, no, let's go to Walmart. What? What's at Walmart? It's like, there's people at Walmart that need to know Jesus. And I was like, okay, what are we going to do? Go pray for them. Well, why don't we just pray for them from here? No, like go up and ask them if we can pray for them. And so he drags me to Walmart and we walk in and I am like, my anxiety is like 10 out of 10. I'm like freaking out. I'm like, we're going to get arrested. We're going to get arrested. We're going to get arrested. And Will just like beelines up to somebody. You know, I'm like, how's he gonna do this? Like, are we gonna, you know, circle and scout out someone that's safe? He just goes to the first person he sees. And he's like, hey, excuse me, um, can we pray for you? And so we pray for this person. And again, the whole time, like, I am just like paranoid something that we're gonna get kicked out or something. And then the next person he goes to, he prays for, and they are in tears. They give him a hug. The next person we go to, he prays for, their arthritis and their hands get healed. And I'm like, wow, what is going on? But still, I'm so anxious. Then Wilson didn't help my anxiety out at all when he said, hey, Luke, guess what? I'm like, what? See that couple over there? Yeah. You're going to give them a word. I'm like, I absolutely am not. <laughs> I 
I absolutely am not. He's like, and so he was nice to me. And some of you, you're like, he wasn't nice to me. He made me do it. Um, He was nice to me. And he said, okay, you ask the Holy Spirit for a word and I'll share it with them. So I asked the Holy Spirit for a word and I got the word joy. And what was cool is that he walked over to them and shared the word with them. And they're like, wow, we just found out we're pregnant. Of course we're joyful. And I was blown away. Um, But still, the whole time we were there, even after that, I was like so anxious. Here's the deal. God was in that Walmart. God was in that Walmart, but I was not recognizing him. I couldn't see him, or at least I couldn't see him clearly because it was a situation that was outside my comfort zone. Here's the deal. Hungry people don't just, they, they look for God outside their comfort zone. People that are hungry for more understand that if I stay here, if I stay, you know, good Bible study, yay, they, Breaking Bad. If I, if I stay in my comfort zone, that's what we were watching back then. It was 2012 or something. But if I stay in my comfort zone, um, I'm never going to experience the more of God. And here's the thing. Life is about more of God. That's what life's about. First and foremost, it's not about what you've had of God and holding on to that. It's about pressing in for more. And so I want to encourage you. If you want to see more hunger for God in your life, purposefully seek God in a way in which you are not comfortable or you're not yet comfortable. It could be during worship. It could be expressing yourself to him in a way that you haven't. You know, maybe you've gotten the hands up. Maybe you've got, you know, the touchdown Jesus worship posture down, but maybe you've never done like the white charismatic hop. You know what I'm talking about? Like this. Try it. Um, you know, take a risk in that. Get uncomfortable. It'll foster hunger. <clears throat> okay, let's keep going because I have like not a lot of time. All right, next one. Hungry people get fed up. Hungry people get fed up. Here, see, so fed up is, or becoming fed up, I believe, is oftentimes the beginning of moving from apathy into hunger. Or moving from struggle into breakthrough. I believe oftentimes that moment, there's a moment where you're fed up and you put a stake in the ground. I believe that Peter had one of these moments in this story. I can't prove it. It's, it's a lot of it's my opinion, but I think you see it. I really, I have a strong case for believing that. So um, here's what I think was going on. You know that this wasn't the first time that they had been in a boat on a stormy lake. This had happened chapters earlier when they were crossing after Jesus healed the demoniac and did some other stuff. And Jesus was sleeping in the boat this time. And they're all despairing for their lives, terrified. They wake Jesus up like, we're going to die. And he's like, hey, guys, come on, trust me. Calms the storm. And then there were other times um, where Jesus was trying to teach them something and they just didn't get it. Like when he multiplied the food, they just didn't get what he was trying to teach them. And so Peter, I believe he's in that boat and they're already probably were bummed. The tone was probably somber on their way from the one side to the other because Jesus left them and sent them over without saying much. So I believe that 
Peter's thinking to himself, oh, like, I didn't trust him the first time we were on the lake, and I didn't understand this lesson, and I was afraid here, and I didn't get it here, and I didn't trust him here, and I have had enough. Jesus, I don't care anymore. If you tell me to step out onto that lake, I will. Do it. He was fed up. He was literally, I mean, have any of you ever been on a boat when there's like three foot waves? Or like, now imagine like six foot waves and it's dark and you're stepping out onto that. Like, you would, he would die if Jesus didn't come through. Peter literally saying, God, I've had enough. I don't care if I die. I'm getting over this fear thing. I'm getting over this not trusting you thing. I'm getting over this not understanding you thing. And Jesus says, come. And so Peter goes out and he does the impossible. He experiences more than any of the disciples had experienced that up to that point. Hungry people get fed up and it's oftentimes those moments of being fed up that lead you into the more. Here's what's important when you're in that fed up moment. One, you have to be willing to do whatever it takes to change. Whatever it takes. It's like, they're like um, especially when we get to this thing of wanting to be wanting to experience more of God and get out of apathy. Like we have to be like, it doesn't matter. I have to get out of this place. I am not living how I was designed to live. So we have to be willing to do whatever it takes, but then we have to have a commitment to continue that change even when emotions subside. Because Peter was probably fired up in that moment where he stepped out onto the water, but especially after he sank, he probably lost those emotions. But I think we still see Peter living out that boldness of faith throughout the rest of the gospel. Also, um, when we're fed up, we don't need to know exactly what we need to do. Maybe you're thinking like, man, I can resonate with that. A little bit of apathy, a little bit of staleness, a little bit of indifference, but I just don't know what to do. You don't need to know what you do. You don't need to know what to do. You just need to be willing to try anything and everything until something works. Hunger people get fed up. Okay, let's skip through some stuff. Um, this isn't up on the screen, but 5, 5.15 this morning, I swear I'm not making this up. Preachers always say stuff like this. You know, I had this whole message planned, then God woke me up this morning, and now I've got a whole new one. I'm not saying that. But <laughs> at 5.15 this morning, I woke up and I couldn't sleep, and I heard God saying to me, hungry people don't compromise. Hungry people don't compromise. Hungry people don't compromise. And um, I really felt like he was talking about holiness and righteousness, that oftentimes something that can diminish our hunger is when we start to make compromises. Now, I know that word holiness, a lot of, I mean, there's people that grew up in backgrounds where that word was used to control people. And that word was used abusively. And so you're not like, that's legalistic. I don't want to be thinking about that. You know, I'm, I'm in freedom in Christ. I'm not in religion. Well, here's the deal. Sometimes we can get legalistic about not being legalistic. Sometimes we can be so concerned with not falling into like legalism that we end up on this side and it's just another error. And here's the deal. Like God has called us to live a certain way. There are certain things that he's called everybody not to do. And then you know what? There are some things that are more gray that he's saying, some of, the, some of you, you can do this. Some of you, you can't do this. 
And those in the gray ones, you just got to discern from him. And here's the deal. What we can do is we can discern from God, like, oh, okay, I can watch these TV shows. Maybe some other people can't, but I can. And then we never question it. And we go years without asking God again, like, hey, is it okay with you if I watch this kind of TV show? And when we don't question it, we can get, that's where we can start to get into that place where um, stuff is coming into our mind and into our brain that is affecting our hunger. And maybe God did say at one point, yeah, don't do that. But maybe he's saying now, hey, you're losing some of your hunger for me. You need to cut this stuff out. You need to get off Facebook. You need to stop watching these shows. You need to um, stop doing this. And just sometimes that compromise, sometimes that um, not living the way God's called us to live can affect our hunger. And so, again, I'm not, putting, I'm not putting religion or legalism on anybody, but here's what I am saying. If you have noticed that some of your hunger for God has started to diminish, if you're not as passionate as you were six months ago or two years ago, if you don't feel as engaged with him, look at some of your life habits and ask God. I'm not saying, you know, just ask him, hey, God, what do you think about this? I know we've talked about it before. I know I've had a conviction about it before, but what are you saying now? I better stop there. Um, <laughs> let me just read you the last one. Hungry people step into things that cost them everything if God doesn't show up. I'll have to tell you about this one another time. <laughs> All right. So recently... Um, I felt like God told me to memorize a verse from all of the minor prophets. And so I started in Daniel, memorized a verse on dream interpretation. And then I got to Hosea and I memorized a verse um, out of Hosea. And I was just kind of looking through that. I forget there's, there's more than 10 chapters, maybe like 12 or 15. And I looked at Hosea 10, 12 that I'd highlighted years ago when I read it. And uh, this is what it says. You can throw it up there. Hosea 10, 12. Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap steadfast love, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord, that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. And I just love that phrase, break up your fallow ground, because that's, I was in this season where I was just like, God, like stir more hunger, stir more passion in me. And so this is a verse that I've just been proclaiming over myself. I'm breaking up that fallow ground. And it's been really powerful. And then the very next book in the Minor Prophets after Hosea is Joel. And so I'm looking through Joel and I come to chapter two and I'm like, oh, here, here's the passage from Acts two that Peter quoted when the Holy Spirit was poured out. I'm gonna memorize this one. And so Acts two twenty eight and 29, you probably know it. It says, then afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female slaves in those days, I'll pour out my spirit. And so I'm memorizing that verse. And as I was memorizing that verse, I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me. This is what I felt like he said. Um, again, let me remind you, Hosea 10, 12, breaking up that foul ground, the reign of righteousness, the reign of God's love on you for more passion. I felt like God said, Luke, a Hosea 10, 12 season will lead to a Joel 2, 28 and 29 season. And I really believe that God that we're going to step into a greater move of God than anyone, any one of us has ever experienced before in the near future. We're going to see signs and wonders and miracles. We're going to see repentance. We're going to see changes in our community. 
at, um, in businesses and at a governmental level, I really believe, I mean, greater miracles than we've seen before. I believe that another move of God is coming, but it all starts with Hosea 10, 12. Break up your fallow ground for it is time to seek the Lord. That's my prayer for us. So would you stand with me? <clears throat> Let's say this together. Father, break up our fallow ground. Father, break up our fallow ground. Again, break up our fallow ground. Again, break up our fallow ground. Let's say it with some gusto. Break up our fallow ground. We're seeking you, Lord. We want more of you. We're not satisfied with yesterday's presence and yesterday's revelation. We thank you for that. We're grateful, but we want more. We want more of you in our lives. Y'all stay here for a second. Put your hands out like this. Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name in your fire. Come and release passion to us right now. Stir up that hunger in our hearts, Lord. Let it come. Yes, Lord. More, Holy Spirit. more, Lord. Jesus' name, Father, we love you so much. Amen.